welcome to this episode of The Dealer Playbook, a podcast that explores what it takes to create a thriving career in the retail auto industry. I'm your host, Michael Cirillo. So happy that you could join me today. We're talking about building your career as a car sales pro with my pal, Paul, the Dodge Father Long. Don't miss what he has to say. All right, so I've been looking forward to this for quite some time. Sitting down with the Dodge Father. I've got a lot of questions for you along the personal brand front, and I guess we'll start there. You know, you stand out as somebody. I put a call out, man. I said, who would you recommend? Who is a mover? Who is a shaker? Who is out there putting it out there on the front lines every day? Your name, you know, came up. You and probably just like three or four others, but yours came up very consistently. Like, yo, you got to get in touch with this guy. So I'm excited to, you know, finally sit down with you. I want to ask you about your brand. Because I feel like a lot of people struggle or maybe overthink the branding of themselves. They go, oh, what's my personal brand? And then w- the the result after all of that overthinking is <laughs> a logo with a car silhouette around it like every other salesperson on the planet. Yeah, I've seen a thousand of them. <laughs> hey, what do you guys think of my new logo? It looks like all 300,000 other sales pros logo. Um, cars. <laughs> but you committed, man. Like you dug in deep. You went, Paul, like you, you've got the, the name Dodge father, Dodge father, Paul, Dodge father long. Did you ever during that process think, but what if I, what if I move brands? Like, what if I become a Toyota rep a year from now? Uh, absolutely. I actually made a venture uh, earlier this year um, to Jag Land Rover. So, complete different move buddy that was uh i always i was always wondering about the luxury brand obviously you do domestic brand i had the opportunity they reached out and uh i said i'd give it three months to see exactly where it was um and uh yeah that was the big the big thing that was hurting was it wasn't hurting but it was to transform from one brand to another um and uh i still had a good following for the people that followed the dodge father page um i did a king of the jungle that's kind of where I went for the logo um, when I moved to, J- to Jag. But, uh, yeah, that was a huge, huge transition to try and flip the whole brand itself. Um, but the big moral of it was it's the whole idea of being behind the brand is the brand is more than just the name. It's the loyalty to the customer, right? Right. And my standards didn't change. I was still the guy. As I tell all my customers, I'm not a one-night stand. I'm here long after the sale. And uh, my morals have not changed from one brand to the other. And I think that really helped out kind of carrying through the brand. Um, at the end of the day, it just wasn't me. Right. I'm not a super tie kind of guy. Um, I'm a little loud, a little obnoxious. And there was a lot of fine tape they wanted me to walk around right. uh, my videos. So that just back to Dodge is where I felt I needed to be. Right. You know, it's interesting, though. You just You just said something that I think is so impressive. Typically, when we speak in the context of how do we make our business grow? How do we get more customers? It's always through the lens of how do we get more loyal customers? But you said something that I find incredibly impressive, which I think just speaks to who you are. You know, you're talking about your morals, your ethics and and what and your values. You said my loyalty to my customers you just flipped that on, like you flipped the whole conversation, the whole narrative on its head in one statement. Okay, yeah, great. Loyalty to us, but we need to be loyal to them. Is that something you've always believed? Like, how's that kind of maybe fed into your journey in the car business up to this point? 
Uh, well, I mean, it's just the way I've been brought up to, you know, I, I started a business before I got into all this quick backstory. I had a, a maintenance company and uh, I really realized that the loyalty you put towards your clientele, they'll be giving you the same back. And the more they feel like, you know, you're going to siphon in and be above and beyond for them um, is what helped me grow the business quickly. Uh, the word of mouth more than any advertising I could have done with it. So when I got into car sales, obviously car sales has had this sneaky, um, you know, idea. Every right. time I had a girlfriend, I've had a girlfriend, I tell the parents I'm a car salesman. It's oh, great. It's a fucking car salesman. <laughs> we give it three uh, months. Car salesman me is what I've, I've had that straight up. Um, but no, I just, I know the reputation the car sales have. And I do believe I'm not wanting to be just their car salesman for the day or for just this purchase. I want to be their, their go-to guy for here on out. And I think they deserve the loyalty. If they come to me, we expect the loyalty of our customers. We get upset when they go shopping other brands or they go shopping your numbers. But in the same sense, we need to be loyal to them and showing them that uh, this isn't a one-way street. Right. Obviously, you got to go both ways on this, right? How do you set expectations around that? I think a lot of people are going to have questions about, ah, uh, crap. Well, now this means... And I'm, I'm, I'm saying it this way because I, you know, to try and embody, you know, what we hear a lot, man, going above and beyond. That means now I'm getting phone calls about things that we have service technicians paid to do. And so how do I set expectations around being their go to when I know for a fact Paul, Paul's getting phone calls that the traditional salesperson feel like don't have anything to do with them? There it is, buddy, but you're just like. <laughs> that's the sell. Um, do you want to make forty grand a year? Or do you want to make one hundred forty grand a year? That's the difference right there, buddy. That's, that's literally it. You want to be just bare minimum, dragging your ass into work and coast through it, or do you want to make uh, the absolute most of everything that you have, every avenue, every purchase that you have, every customer you have? Um, don't get me wrong. I have customers call me up. I'm broke down on the side of the road on a Sunday. Well, you know damn right you should be calling the one. If I don't have the one, I'm no problem. I'll send it off to you, you know, or uh, right. having issues with the cars and service and they need a loaner. Well, that's not the, but these are the small things you do. And believe me, it goes a long way at the end of the day. Um, these are the people that are going to be your referrals for life. Yeah. And the guy that they know they can call while they're on the side of the road is definitely the guy they're going to recommend when their friend's down the road or family members looking for a vehicle, you know, damn right. They're going to go ahead and say, I have a guy that's going to go above and beyond for you. And they're going to feel that. Right. Yeah. It's, it's all about building the relationship where you ultimately want them to feel so comfortable with you that it is what you just said. It's that not just repeat business, but it is referral business. Everybody wants to have a guy, you know, exactly. I, I'm, I'm from European descent. I need to have a guy. It's like, nah, I got a guy for that. And so for you to be become that guy, I love that, you know, what I'm picking up on and I hope the, those listening pick up on is hospitality and service going above and beyond. That is still a business development play. It's not a service. Play. It's a It's all business development. Do you think that stems from your entrepreneurial endeavors? Yeah, absolutely. And having a long-term goal, not just looking at this as uh I'm not into this just for short term. I'm not trying to be just, you know, be the, the, the dealership core and just hop from dealership to dealership. I want to find a home like I have. And this is where I want to plant my roots. And this is a career. This is my future. How and long you been, uh, how long you been uh, in the car business now? Um, 
two and a half years, almost three. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, so, so you can, yeah, so you can speak. Well, and I mean, gosh, I mean, like, think about how quickly you've been able to build a following, um, build a, build a business, build a business within a business. I often talk about like car sales. I wish a lot of people would understand, like you're an automotivepreneur, like this is the best type of business. You don't have, you don't have any overhead. You don't have to pay for the product. You don't have to, you know, like anything. You just get to roll in and actually run a business. And those that think about it the way you're thinking about it with your mindset, like this is my business. Um, you're right. It's the difference between 40 K and 140 K a year. Absolutely. Um, so two and a half years in, I know there's a lot of people that obviously there's high turnover. We, I, I don't think any of us have the intention of getting into the car business and then having it not work in a year or six months and then having to, you know, fizzle out. What should new people in the industry from your vantage point, what should they be, where should their mind be at? What should they be thinking about? What are some things they need to do right out of the gates to make a, like you said, play the long game? Well, my view on this is you need to decide early if you're going to want to be promoted within or you are content in sales because that's kind of making the different avenues of where you're going to go with it. Um, I basically learned real early after having um, basically looked over way too many staff, had enough headaches, got sick of babysitting. I don't want to do management. And I told every place that I showed up into um, from the first dealership I started at to where I'm at now, Management's not where I want to be. I am very content with what I do. Um, we can make more than the management does, to be honest with you. And uh, you have no headaches compared to what management has. So, I mean, the big step is, are you looking at this a long-term goal to promote within? Are you looking to be a GSM? Are you looking to be um, a general manager? Or are you looking to, you know, work somewhere else throughout the dealership? Uh, or is sales where you want to be? Are you content with sales? Because if you are content with the sales itself, that's where you're going to look at your long-term goal. Well, how do I build this portfolio to keep myself going and constantly be growing every year, adding from the, you know, the experiences and the customers I've had from the year before to the fresh walk-ins in the door. How do I keep piling this up to get better each year and not just be content at uh, sitting at a, you know, a certain salary or a certain wage. Yeah. I love that. You know, I, and I think that takes a tremendous amount of self-awareness. I think the, the larger narrative today is, success is this blanket term, but we know all, we know secretly that everybody says success is, is talking about the Elon Musk's and the, you know, the, the Mark Cubans of the world. Mm -hmm. But I think the, the sooner people can accept their own definition of success, the happier they'll be like, you just brought up, like, I don't want to deal with those headaches. I don't want to deal with any of that. And because I don't have to deal with that, that contributes to my overall happiness and satisfaction in life. And, and so I think, you know, what you're saying is so important for people to understand getting honest with yourself, you know, and being okay with it and telling everybody else to screw off. Okay. You know what? I don't want to be, a, you know, a multi, multi, multi millionaire. I want to live a happy life. I want to be a good person. I want to do what's right for my family. I want to do what's right for me. And I'm happy here. Like, I, you know, it took a long time for dudes like Gary Vaynerchuk. It took him a long time to come around to the whole happiness thing because it was so like hustle, 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 hustle. If you're not doing this, then you're not measuring up and you're not doing that. It's like, no, you got to figure out you like this. Ha your life has nothing to do with anybody else's 
Gary V doesn't know you exist, by the way. Yeah, in terms of balance, that's really where you got to figure out what's going to make. Uh, are you going to donate every working hour you have to being dedicated so you don't have to work when you're outside of work? And where is uh, where's too much headaches to deal with at work, right? Like you said, when I walk in, who do I have to look after myself? I, who do I have to blame at the end of the day? Myself. That is a lot easier to be able to look at my shortcomings or as a business, how can I build when I know I'm only looking over myself? I mean, obviously, the things around you are going to help out. Your management team, your inventory, your dealership, your marketing. Um, but at the end of the day, I find looking over myself is a hell of a lot easier. And as I said, you can make more than enough money to be content with that. Working yeah. a non-back-breaking job, buddy. So, like... Yeah. Yeah, there's dudes out there digging ditches right now. 100%. Two ways to make your money in this world. The back of your brain, right? That's exactly it. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about the transition a little bit because, you know, truth be told, I had no clue that you had made a transition. And I think this is a hyper relevant topic because <laughs> at this very much, dude, this is like a bad hockey team that is constantly this industry because there's constantly trades going on and people moving brands and, you know, um, but I think this is hyper relevant because it's a, what a lot of people are going through. So you, you're, you, you go all in and you commit to the the Dodge father thing and you build some, you know, you build a good book of business, things are going well, but then you transition mm -hmm. for those that are in this same circumstance. What, like, what does that actually look like? What do you do now? Like what, what were some of the steps you took to, to, I guess, combat the negative effects of a transition or to let customers know? Cause you had mentioned early on, like, my morals, my ethics, who I am hasn't changed just because I like I'm not a trader on the people. I, I've moved to a different product, which should come as no surprise, because like guys like look at MLM people. They're on they're onto a new MLM company every six months, you know, <laughs> vitamins, Amway, like they're, you know, um, and we don't hold it over them. So like you, you move brands, but that didn't change who you were. But what are some things? that you implemented right out of the gates to uh, help with the, the transition? Well, the transition, I'm not going to lie, going domestic to luxury brand alone, completely different. Um, was I uncomfortable? Fuck yeah. It was uh, <laughs> definitely something. I, I, I'm literally one of those guys that understands if you're not, if you're not uncomfortable in what you're doing, you're not obviously pushing yourself hard enough. And I knew when I, was offered it that that feeling in my stomach was like, Paul, you're really questioning everything you built. I knew I wanted to try it. It was uh, one of those things. If I don't try it, I'm never going to know. Right. And I'm a firm believer in jumping all in. So that was literally it. Uh, taking something I knew I've known Mopar my whole life. Like when I did the sales training, I was like, guys, I watched this shit with my dad on Sundays drinking coffee when I was a kid. Like these specs mean I could read these off the top of my head. So going to Jag Land Rover, I didn't even know Jack had an SUV. <laughs> I mean, I'll be straight with you. I had no idea. <laughs> and Range Rover, I thought they had one, the full size. So, yeah, I mean, learning the product was definitely the first thing I needed to do and being confident in that, right? Um, but as for doing the transition with the brand, um, I just kept my following that I had. Obviously, I lost a few followers of the diehard Mopar fans going, why the hell are you switching a brand? Right. Uh, I did a pretty good intro video. First, as soon as I got in there, I had Jason Ayers help me out with a, a badass intro video. 
um, just on basically a sit down of why I felt that I wanted to try this new luxury brand. Right. And uh, I had a lot of encouragement from, you know, friends, family, customers, uh, people on LinkedIn, stuff like that. They all, you know, you know, understood that it was something I wanted to at least try and they encouraged behind it. And uh, it was just a matter of knowing that I'm going to be able to keep the same morals going with the customers moving forward. Uh, but I'm going to be uncomfortable as hell learning this product. Yeah. I love what you're saying about it. Like, Get comfortable being uncomfortable because anytime you do something where there's a little bit of risk or where, you know, the risk, like the reward can be really great, you're going to feel uncomfortable. Um, You know, behind the scenes on me, I'm taking on projects right now that I'm super, every time I take on a new project, I'm kind of uncomfortable because there's that element of, I don't want to let anybody else down and I don't want to let myself down. And I think that's for me what, where the, the discomfort comes from, but I've also learned as uh, you know just to to i guess reinforce what you're saying how important it is i've learned that everything that's happened beyond imagination in my life has come from just trucking through the discomfort mm-hmm. right it's like fear you're only afraid of something because you don't have enough exposure to it people you know my wife even she says how do you do public speaking and i'm like i don't She's like, you sleep like a baby the night before. I've been with you at all the, you're, you're going to, you're about to stand in front of 3000 people and offer her the keynote and the pressure. She's like, I'm losing sleep for you. And I'm just, I'm over there like, and I'm like, well, that's today. That's a decade of public speaking. The first ones, dude, holy crap. It was like the pregame jitters, the bowel quivers, like you name it. But it's that fear dissipate, dissipated the more exposure I, I brought myself to it. It's like people are afraid of Pennywise, the, the horror clown. Well, like if he was your next door neighbor and you saw him all the time, you'd probably be afraid of the guy. I him every time. I see yeah, you see him mowing yeah. his lawn and trimming his hedges and you're like, yeah, he's just a weird looking dude. <laughs> right. And so I think that's a big part of this. And I think a lot of people are afraid to take action. What is it about you that I guess has the resolve to just, blast through that discomfort i don't really think there's anybody it's everybody's got it in them it's just fucking do it <laughs> like the uh the videos like the way you're talking about public speaking yeah i was huge on that for videos i uh when i started in the industry i didn't have facebook i mean i started at 35 never had facebook never had instagram i was just not one to putting my face or myself out on you know uh on the internet or social media so when I first had to do my first videos, which I will tell you was horrendous, right. uh, I watched them the other day and I was like, I, I want to never see the light of day again with these. Delete, um, delete, delete, delete. Yeah, 100%. Can I just unsubscribe, delete, and block? Like, I do not want anything to do with that. Um, but it's, it's funny because you get more comfortable. But I remember the night before I did my first video, you know, waking up in the middle of the night, writing out the script or writing out what I wanted to say in it. And, not be able to sleep the whole night and I'm getting to work and the same shit, the jitters, you know, and yeah. uh, sitting in front of the video and the voice is going up and down. And, and uh, I mean, now you get out there and it's, I get running off the coast of my pants on a thought about it. Right. Yeah. But when you first start, it's, that's literally it. There's not much about it. There's not something in me uh, that makes me different than anybody else there. It's just, just do it. That's literally it. That's the difference. Yeah. I love that. I mean that, and that feeds right into you know, when, when I had sent you the link to book this, one of the questions is like, what, what's one thing 
you can share to, to help people, you know, that are listening, just apply something right away. And it's like, you were like, just put yourself out there. Like, just get it done. Mm -hmm. Like run through walls to make success happen. Walls being whatever barriers are standing in your way. If you're afraid of doing video that like, usually what you're afraid of is a good indication in the, of the direction you need to run, not the opposite direction. You need to run in the direction of the thing you're I, I'm with you. How about the, 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 uh, for me, I'll never forget my first public speaking engagement. I was freaked out and I did what I feared the most, which is I call it the premature swallow. So as I'm walking up onto the stage, onto the rostrum or whatever, my mouth just started filling up with saliva and I gave it a good morning, everybody. My name is Mike Colcerillo. <laughs> it is the most embarrassing. I think about it. <laughs> yeah. You're like, where'd all this spit come from? But I'll tell you what, that only had to happen once for me to realize if that ever happens again, you swallow as you're walking up. <laughs> you learn. Exactly. You learn totally. And yeah. and to your point about the videos, like if you're afraid or you don't like the way you look on video or sound, guys, trust me. Jason Harris, speaking of Jason Harris, he tells me this all the time. He, he's trying to get me to narrate like a Christmas album. He's like, I would listen to you just <laughs> reading Christmas carols. But I mean, the thing is, like, we're all we're all humans. I hate listening to myself. People go, do you listen to your own show? And I'm like, dude, I hate listening. It, yeah, I listen on fast forward so I can get to the guests. You know, so so I love what you're saying. We're all in the same boat. And, and you know, the powerful thing to me is what you said. We all have it in us. We're actually all designed to succeed if we could just, you know, get that in our head that we have it in us to succeed. What is a day? What is a day in the life of Paul look like? <laughs> Like the typical day of uh, just sales or just the day in itself? Yeah, like you show up to the store. What what kind of actions do you believe are vital to growing your business? Uh, well, I am something I've taken on recently as I've never been a morning person. So I've, uh, I've realized um, over the past couple months that uh, as much as you hear that early bird gets a worm shit, it's, it's true, man. Like you waste a lot of your time at night, it gets you nowhere. Um, right. So I've been getting up 5.30, I go to the gym, I go home and eat my breakfast. Big, big thing I'm saying is I come to work and I'm not just roll my ass out of bed like I used to. And like you see majority of people in this game do. Um, they woke up a half hour before they had their ass here and their head's taken another hour and I don't have to get self into the game. Where if you've started your day, you know, three, four hours well before you got in there, you get in there, your head's already in the game. You've already started to attack, you know, attack the plan for the day. Um, so that's one thing I, I usually, I really embrace to anybody out there that's really wondering how they can grow personally, um, to benefit themselves while they're at work is don't roll out of bed and show up at work because your first few hours are freaking right off. So, uh, by, by that we do our morning meeting, you come down, you go through uh, your CRM, obviously see who you're trying to work with for the day, booking your appointments. Um, and then just kind of planning attack of what are we going to do for the week for videos or what are we going to do in the week for, uh, you know, some sort of marketing thing in that sense. And then as we all know in the car game, the up bus, <laughs> uh, waiting for the fresh shops to come in them doors. Right. <laughs> right. And, and, and wondering why the marketing team isn't bringing them in. 
faster. You know, why are they not just blocking them hand where, to hand? Where are it? these people? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, that's that's actually really good advice, and I love that. I mean, the the power of a morning routine or, or just the routine you choose to start your day and coming in prepped, I think that the, the mental spill-off of this is tremendous because now you're not in that – like, it, you know, if you're if you're feeding yourself and you're nourishing yourself, I mean, obviously it has an impact on everything, not just your career, but it is especially going to, like you said, it's going to be noticed in your career. That morning meeting isn't going to be a hassle because you're already going to be in the game. You're already thinking okay. about how do I align this with the actions I know I got to take. And then to your point, I'm checking my CRM. Well, yeah, you are. <laughs> not a lot are. <laughs> right like we know no, that for so a fact. smoking coffee yeah exactly yeah we know that for a fact but everything you just said i want I, I i'm hoping we can highlight the fact that sales doesn't have to be difficult it's your laziness that's making it more difficult it's your lack of desire it's your unwillingness that's actually making it more difficult because what i wrote down here you probably noticed I mean, well, those listening can't see what I'm doing, but I, I have my iPad here and I'm taking notes as, as Paul speaks. I wrote down morning routine, but then I wrote down actions map to outcomes. You said I'm following up. I'm, I'm checking in with people. I'm booking appointments. Like you're not, not, not to sound the wrong way, but like, it's not like you just said to us some revelatory thing that nobody has thought of. You are following the steps and it's working. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The you basics. Know, the, the, the foundation, like you can build your house on a rock or you can build it on the sand. Like, what are you going to do? And so checking CRM. Now, have you found, let's talk about booking appointments because I, I, I love the fact that you could, like so many others, just be sitting here going, well, I got to wait for everybody else to do this. I have a dependency on the marketing team. I have a dependency on the, you know, the the flyer company that's doing the one-day sale. I have a dependency on them. I can't really do anything. You're saying, no, there's actually a lot more in my control. So have you found certain activities render more consistent results in trying to get people to show up or show interest or work a deal? Um, consistency. Consistency is the key. Obviously, um, when you're dealing with, so I, little back, quick backstory is um, before I left last year, I took about six months and put, I felt pretty confident on the floor, okay, with fresh shops. And since I, I told you there that I didn't want to move to management, Right. I want to feel comfortable in all aspects of the sale. So my next, the, the three big things I think you have are your fresh shops, your internet leads, and your cold calls, okay? Cold calls, everybody fucking hates. I hate. I will not, I will not even attest to that. That is by far my worst um, strength. There is no strength behind my cold calls. I'll tell you that right, right. now. Yeah. I've seen guys that are machines that, you know, do the boiler room. And to me, it's, uh, that is not my... <laughs> expertise okay right um second one was the internet internet leads internet leads i've noticed internet leads are very I, they're a different type of customer okay they're not a guy in front of you where you can feel you can work you can read uh the guy behind the screen definitely a different guy so i wanted to learn once i felt comfortable on the floor i knew our bdc department was uh kind of lacking a good turnover rate um so i did a lot of training with that and we basically you know, revive what we have for VDC department. And the biggest thing I've learned with that is engagement. 
Engagement is the key to any success with booking appointments. The biggest thing I find people do when they get these leads um, is they try to go straight to the, when can I get you in? Vika's right. still ready, when can I get you in? 10.30 tomorrow work? That doesn't work. You, what you need to be doing is just asking an engaging question to get an answer. That's all you need. Once you've started that com a conversation, um, you've got a lot more to work with and they're, they're gonna feel a lot more you know, easy going with you when they're not saying, okay, this guy's just pressing me in for appointment. This guy's just asking me, you know, um, I'm driving the eco diesel, are you using it for towing or is it fuel mileage the reason? That's an easy answer. And I don't feel like you're trying to push me in anything. I have no problem. Once I have you engaged, then we can start working on booking the appointment, right? Um, so I feel once I've got to booking these appointments, there's a lot of background that went behind that, A, being engagement. So that's, uh, I'm not just some stranger by the time I'm booking this appointment. I feel I've built a little rapport with these people. Amazing. And this, by the way, is why, if you're listening to this, you need to go over to the Facebook group and apply for your free membership. But it's actually not free because if you don't participate, you can't be a part of the DPB Pro community. Why do you need to be a part of it? Because Paul just talked about engagement and asking engaging questions. And in that group exclusively, you're going to get the answer that I'm going to ask him after our public podcast here, which is give me some examples of some engaging questions you can ask. If you want to get access to Paul's answer, you need to head on over to Facebook, apply to join the DPB Pro community so that you can get exclusive access to that content. Paul, man, this has been so much fun. Um, you are clearly dialed in. I love it. And I love, you know, you got a healthy mix of vulnerability with like just infectious, contagious, if I can use those words in 2020, um, uh, confidence, you know, but, but it's, it's amazing to just see that when you pick a process, you define success for yourself, it is going to build, it's going to compound and, and you'll be paying yourself dividends for, for uh, a long, long time. And so I want to thank you for joining me on the podcast. How can those listening get in touch and connect with you? Uh, well, I have a pretty good following on my Facebook. Facebook is the Dodge Father. Instagram, the Dodge Father. Uh, LinkedIn, I've had. I got one thing I say about LinkedIn, guys, is this has really helped me out through my career. Um, a lot of people that, including you, Mike, like uh, I followed you on LinkedIn here for quite some time, and um, coincidentally, I seen uh, General Motors Jeff on there the other day. And I was like, that son of a bitch, I want to be on there. And you reached out. I was like, you know what? All right. <laughs> It's worked out all right, um, you know, but uh, yeah, go, just some of things like that, guys, and uh, hashtag the Google on pretty much anything that's on Google, hashtag the Dodge Father. So that's uh, hashtag anything you can, guys, when you're building a brand, because it spreads out on the, uh, the internet easier than ever. Wow. Amazing. Thanks so much for joining me on the DPV. All right. Pleasure. Michael Cirillo, and you've been listening to the Dealer Playbook Podcast. If you haven't yet, please click the subscribe button wherever you're listening right now. Leave a rating or review and share it with a colleague. If you're ready to make big changes in your life and career and want to connect with positive, nurturing automotive professionals, join my exclusive DPB Pro community on Facebook. That's where we share information, ideas, and content that isn't shared anywhere else. I can't wait to meet you there. Thanks for listening.